How's everybody doing today? Good. I just want to um, lift up a big thank you to all who have put in work for this Youth Sunday and especially to the kids. They've been working really hard, especially with their busy schedules. Everything is crazy right now and they've all put a lot of effort into this and um, as well as the leaders and the church behind them and so everybody give them a round of applause. So I had this whole sermon picked out, <laughs> and last night I um, was trying to finish it up, and it just didn't feel right, like something was kind of missing, and so last night God just kind of rewrote my sermon for me, <laughs> and so I know this is what God wants me to speak on today. Um, my theme kind of for the day is going to be a corrupted people versus a created people, and I stole that theme from uh, one of my favorite pastors, Stephen Furtick. He kind of does a message over it as well. As a wife and a mother and a woman who works full-time, I'm constantly going. As I was writing this sermon, I've already heard mom a few dozen times and my husband telling me that we have the cows out for the millionth time as well. And um, luckily, though, there was no more hyperextended elbows or bloody noses or bruised eyes from the boys fighting constantly. <laughs> um, I love being a wife and a mother more than anything in the world. It's one of the greatest gifts God's given me. But sometimes our greatest gifts, our treasures, can hurt us. Does that sound familiar? It doesn't mean that there's no love or because we're bad people, but it's because people fall short and we are corrupted without Jesus. Ephesians 2.2 from the Passion Version says, It wasn't that long ago that you lived in religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. So let's look at this scripture for a minute. We are born into sin, and we deserve wrath poured out on us. We say we are Christians and we love God, but how are we spending our time outside of church? Are we living holy and pure? Are we letting unwholesome talk leave our mouths? Are we gossiping? Are we drinking to get drunk? Are we having premarital relations? Are we letting our anger turn into rage? Are we prideful? How are we dealing with the stresses of life, the discouragements, the mourning, and the frustrations? This isn't a message about condemnation by any means. This is a message about taking what is in the dark in your life and bringing it to the light. Don't give Satan a foothold. The pain and hurt, bring it into the light and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Also in the above verse, it says, There is a dark ruler of earthly realm who fills the atmosphere and who is diligently working in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. 
Do we honestly think that you doing you and me doing me will handle all our own, will handle all our own in the world? We live outside of God's truth and start making up and justifying in our minds what is right and wrong. We have a problem. We call ourselves Christians, but if we are not refreshing ourselves and being made new daily in the presence of Jesus, those lies are going to become what is real for us. And that's scary. We're seeing it full force in our world today through our social media, TV shows, music, and more. What we may think is a safe space isn't always the case. Something we can be sure of, though, is living in God's truth. And what does that mean? The Bible is spirit-breathed for you and I as a guide, a book full of truth that God wants us to open up every day and use. As I was preparing for this message, I did some reading in the Old Testament, reading the stories of how God repeatedly saved the Israelites from their corrupted ways. How could anyone, after seeing the Red Sea split, possibly not believe in God and his provision for their lives? After seeing the quail fall from the sky to take refuge in, do you think God felt hurt? Do you think God felt taken for granted? When someone is really good at their job, and um, say, for example, at work, you do an amazing job at work, and so nobody really checks in on you. And um, they even give you more work. And, um, but they don't constantly hover over you to make sure that you're doing things correctly. When you're good at something, people quit acknowledging it sometimes. And so I feel like that's how we are with God. God is a good God. And we quit acknowledging him sometimes because he's that good at his job. Um, he is provider. He is above and beyond. He is provider and healer. He is the same God that walked with Moses, Elijah, Jacob, David, Mary. That same God is not of the past, but very much of the present and the future, beginning and end. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses five, 4 through 5, it tells us how much he loves us even though we deserve wrath. In verse 4 it says, But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, He united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by His wonderful grace. God wants us. He wants to prepare a place for us. He created us with purpose and vision, and He knows the future. And who better to trust our lives with than the God who has seen our future and knows all that will happen? In Sunday school last week, um, it was me and Travis and Avery, and Travis brought a message um, from the book of Kings. And I kind of want to go over that today because it really stuck out to me, and I think it goes along perfectly with what we're talking about. So... Um, in verse 21, in First Kings, what chapter? I believe it's chapter 18, chapter 18 or 19. In this particular passage, King Ahab sends all the people of Israel and prophets to meet Elijah at Mount Carmel. 
In verse 21, Elijah says, How long will you go limping between two different opinions? God doesn't want us lukewarm. He wants us for him or against him. So if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is your God, then follow him. The people didn't say anything. So he said, let's put it to the test. We'll get two sacrifices and um, lay them out on wood. And the one who answers by fire is the true God. So they both prepared their sacrifices. And um, so they did um, the one with Baal first. The people cried out all day, pleading and begging him to answer. And Elijah's kind of mocking them, saying, well, maybe he's asleep or on vacation, you know. And um, the people were so determined for this to work. They were harming themselves. They were cutting themselves. And um, in desperation to hear from their gods. How many times have we gone to worldly things to fill our cups, to only wake up the next day and feel completely empty and completely lost? How far will we go in believing the lies of the world that tell us we aren't good enough and that I am who I am and there's no changing it? Or the, way, the only way I can feel better about something is to fill in the blank. Satan is going to try his best to confuse you, to harm you, and to control you. These people were harming themselves for a God that didn't exist. How many times have we harmed ourselves living outside of the truth of God and others in rebellion? I just want to live. I just want to be like everybody else. Well, God wants you to live. He wants you to dwell in heaven with him, and he wants the utmost fullness for your life. Needless to say, Baal never came and their sacrifice remained untouched. Can you think of some times when you put all of your energy and attention into something that was meaningless? Why do we keep going back to a lifestyle that's like a dog returning to his own vomit? We know it's nasty, we know how we feel after we do it, but for some reason, it's become a part of us, and that's where Satan wants you, in complete bondage. Elijah then prepared his sacrifice to God and dug a trench around it that he then filled with water, soaking the entire sacrifice to where there would be no possible way to light it by a human point of view. God rained down fire and completely consumed the sacrifice and all the water that was around it. All the people saw it and fell on their faces saying, He is God. So how do we live a pure and holy life? Purity and holiness comes with denying the flesh, admitting when we're wrong, and seeking repentance for what we have done, and continually, continually allowing the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. Acts chapter 8 verse 22 says, Repent therefore of the wickedness of, your, the wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that if possible the intent of your heart may be forgiven. Pray and ask God to forgive you and lay it at his feet. It is also necessary to stay obedient to Jesus. Obedience is where we find freedom in Christ. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. And we were created for that purpose. We are meant to live in a partnership with Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Sometimes we feel distant from God's presence, but he's, te- from God's presence, but he's telling us right here, Seek me wholeheartedly, and turn away from evil, and I will shine upon you. When we are walking in step with the Spirit, God will show us all kinds of things. He will also show us an unconditional joy that brings peace beyond understanding. Joy even when we are going through the valleys. Joy that shines a light on hope no matter what our present sufferings. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Let this set in today. Don't let your corrupted you outweigh the created you. Turn from evil and do good. One day Jesus will come and take those who love him. Don't be one of those who are left. Satan doesn't love you. He wants you to perish. I'm going to end with a scripture that my husband actually just sent me before um, church, and it says, The Lord open the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. So humble, humble yourselves today before God. Ask for repentance. Let him shine through those dark spots in your heart and bring you to the light. Today, our, um, our closing invitation is going to be run to the Father. And um, if you are filled to call, if you are called to, or <laughs> if you feel like you need to come forward to get prayer, please do so in closing. <laughs>